Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA. And we are here for UFC Calgary. Our main event is Dustin Poirier taking on Eni Alvarez in a much anticipated rematch, controversial, no contest, the first time out. And for this card, as always, we have the, the analyst for Fight IQ. It is Chris and Joe. How are you guys doing? Awesome, man. Rocking this new Rotowire lid, man. Look at that. Thanks, Jake. Jake, I didn't get mine, so um, hook me up. You have my address. Waiting on my shirt, my cap. Like, I mean, I, I want to wear this stuff on the pod, but nothing yet. I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I'm waiting for winter so I could get a road wire hoodie, and then I'll be really decked out, man. You know what? That is what I'm waiting for. Although it's 90 degrees today, so yeah. But I mean, you know, just plan ahead. I was going to say, if you guys are watching on YouTube, we are always open to questions, comments. Those are always fun. If you're listening to this after the fact, make sure you join us on Fridays on the Rotor Wire MMA channel. Subscribe there. Subscribe to the pod on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, I believe. Also, make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their content. 10-day free trial, no credit card required. A lot of stuff is usually behind the paywall. Season-long sports, daily sports. All the good stuff, as Chris is going to tell you about later, they just released uh, tennis for DraftKings. So a lot of good stuff over at Rotowire, our sponsor. Glad you guys are all joining us. Um, you know, let's just jump right into the fights this week. We've had a couple pretty good weeks, and let's look to get it to, to continue it. I think this is a really good card from top to bottom, uh, with maybe the exception of this first fight. Unfortunately, I think it's got a lot of GPP value. And I'm talking about... Devin Powell at 8,400, taking on Alvaro Herrera at 7,800. The line on this fight, Powell is a small favorite, minus 110. Alvaro Herrera, plus 100. A common theme in this is we're going to see odds value across the board. A lot of lines have closed up, a lot of close fights. A lot of fights expected to go to, to decision. This is not one of them. For me, Herrera, the skills in this fight are pretty simple to break down. 
Powell is a BJJ black belt who bad stand up, and I don't think his BJJ is very offensively driven. Herrera has big power, but gets caught in subs. Has been subbed twice in a row. I'm not going to hold against hold Vicente Luque against him. Ultimately, I think Herrera, while he's a low level UFC fighter, maybe a high level regional guy. I don't even think Powell's that good. I'll take Herrera to win by knockout. Hard to play him in cash, though, unless he falls just right into your lineup, which unfortunately for me right now is one of the possibilities I'm tossing around. Chris, how do you have our first fight, Herrera and Powell, pegged? Yeah, you know, I, I usually, if you guys are, are, are regular listeners, and I'm sure you guys know, I, I usually try to, you know, say good things about each fighter, even though I, I have a clear read, just because, you know, I like to give people options and, and let them know the dynamics of the fight. But, you know, I, I struggle to, to find anything good to say about Devin Powell. Um, he's He doesn't hit very hard. He kicks, but those aren't very hard either. He's very open to taking shots. Um, he is a BJJ black belt. He, he owns his own school, I think. But, um, you know, I've never really seen him um, use it to all that great effect. Um, we've seen him hurt in a number of fights. I was surprised he wasn't uh, finished in the natural car close fight. He's durable, I guess we can say that. And um, Alvaro is, you know, he's got power. He throws in combination. Um, the one thing I would say is that he's sort of um, shown himself to be vulnerable to takedowns. Uh, Luque was taken down over and over again. Then again, that's Luque, who's considerably bigger and stronger than Devin Powell is going to be. So I'm not too worried about that here. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really confident in uh, Avera, and uh, I don't see much much value in, in Powell at all. He would have to win a fight before I could pick him to win a fight. That's how little I think he's shown me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, the 8400 play here and feel pretty good about it. Hey, I think Alvaro Herrera is actually less expensive. Alvaro Herrera is 7800. You're getting a discount on him. Oh, even better. There you go. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm I'm certainly loading up now. There it is. Don't worry, guys. This is a low level fight. Me and Chris will start arguing anytime now. And we haven't talked about our picks extensively this week, but I'm sure we're gonna disagree. Joe, you making this one a clean sweep? No, absolutely not. So You're, you could call no, me. This, wait, you could, wait, you could, wait, 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 yeah, come you on. Could call me, you could call me Mr. Narrative here. Um, so Powell is a tough MF. Okay. He quite literally busted a nut training with Joe Lozon. Literally busted a nut. He was cut by the UFC and pleaded with Dana White for one more fight. This is a loser gets a pink slip fight if I've ever seen one. Both these guys might get cut if, if it's not an exciting fight. Let's talk about your boy Herrera. He is one of, he's got a, a very distinct place in UFC history as being one of the few fighters finished by a Von Flu choke. Um, now, I don't know. I would love to see Five Dimes put up a prop, not finished by submission, finished by Von Flu, because I don't think a fighter has ever been finished twice by a Von Flu choke. I, I'm, I'm positive a fighter has never finished twice by a Von Fluchok in back-to-back -back fights. These are two very unathletic fighters. Um, both of the guys that, uh, again, James Tahuna effect, both of the guys that Powell has has lost to are a lot tougher than Herrera is. So mm. I Horchard? see him. Uh, Horchard, Horchard, Horchard fought Khabib. Horchard, Horchard and 
And, um, you know, Horcher and Close are much, much better than Herrera. Um, he doesn't get finished. So these are both two unathletic fighters. One is a BJJ black belt. The other is a fighter that shows a propensity for getting submitted, I believe, three in a row, including the infamous Von Flu choke submission. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that has, you know, has got the chance to throw up a submission. I mean, I'm not super confident about it, but this is a fight, unfortunately, that will need to be targeted for GPPs because it is one of the few fights on the card, as our friend Sean alluded to, that is not likely or not at least expected by the odds makers to go to the decision. And it is the first fight of the night. So you will need exposure in this fight. I am not saying, um, you know, pick a side. I'm saying use both sides. But we have to make a pick here, and my pick is Devin Powell. I am going to have saying... Devin Powell, to be clear, but I, I will because it is minus 190. But I, I think you're on a bit of a stretch with, with Daryl Hort. You lost to Scott Holtzman pretty convincingly last time out. That I, I don't know. I, I'll give you Dracar close for sure. I have a hard time seeing Horcher. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna fade no. him next time he fights. Sorry, I have to jump back in here for one second. What? So what does? So what does he do well? He he gets hurt and doesn't get finished. What? What is like his skills? What does he do well? His, his skill, his BJJ skill, is what Herrera's kryptonite is. Have I'm you not, seen it? Have I? Have I seen? Well, I, I'm not. Well, he's had two fights. <laughs> both, have, both, you, have you even seen anything close to it? Like a hint of it? Both against lesser opponents than than Herrera. Both against greater opponents than Herrera. Um, look, I don't love this fight, dude. But you you got you got to make a pick. I'd say weight each guy equally. And I, and I, I know I, I understand. Listen, I understand. And look, I'm the last one. I I make some crazy picks by others' estimations myself. But this one's throwing me. I got to say, I don't think this is that crazy a pick, man. I mean, look, you got a guy that's been submitted three times going up against the BJJ black belt, and. And not not just submitted, submitted by a Von Flu choke. I, I know, mean, but you know, but that's kind of a brain cramp. I don't. That's not going to happen I again. Mean, that's like a reverse cowgirl necktie. I mean, you know, come on. Whoa, like, whoa. What the, okay. what the hell? Wait, I mean, the host like, is going to rain us in a bit here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to pull back. I love that both of you guys are fired up, and I'm just listening. I can't wait for the next episode. That was a great line. Yeah. I do agree. With, well, I agree with both of you. Just put a put a bow on this fight. We've talked about it a long time, but God, that yeah, was too, fun. way too long considering the fighters. Uh, but it's actually going to be one of the more exciting fights. Probably, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's one of like what, five fights that are scheduled to finish inside of the distance. Five out of thirteen. So I will agree with Chris that I'm picking Herrera to win just because I think Powell's that bad. But I agree with Joe. You need both sides. Personally, I'll have a little more um, Herrera, but it's not crazy to play Powell. Um, although I do think it's crazy in cash. Oh, I we would never blame in cash. Yeah. All right, let's move on from there. A fight that I have a little stronger take on, and I actually want to see what our women's MMA whisperer thinks. It is Nina Ansaroff at 8,500, taking on Random Marcos at 7,700. The line is closed on this one as well. Of course, I don't have it up on my screen right now. What's it, one plus 135, Marcos? Uh, smaller than that now. Nina Ansaroff minus 130. Random Marcos wow. plus 120. Really has tightened up. A little bit of line value there, and it is some that I agree with, actually. I think Nina Ansaroff, not that she's overrated, but she's getting a push from, you know, being being the partner of Amanda Nunes. Wins over Angela Hill, Jocelyn Jones-Lyberger. Look, to me, Angela Hill is just 
in those fights that make you look good. Win or lose, she stands and trades. She brings out these crazy high-volume fights. That's typically not who Nina Ansaroff is. To go out and think it's going to happen again, I think, is a mistake. I think Marcos will do what she always does, close the distance, yes, in a straight line. Yes, she can get hit. Ansaroff should get some strikes in this one. But I think Marcos will be able to secure the uh, single leg, get a couple takedowns, a few advances. I don't think she'll hold her down long. That's why I was considering a bet early in the week against Marcos. I don't think she can hold her down. I think it's a close fight for DraftKings. I always lean towards the fighter who can get the takedowns. So I prefer random Marcos in this matchup. Joe, our women's MMA whisperer, did, did I do that fight justice? You did, you did pretty well, my friend. There are, you know, again, Mr. Narrative here. This is one of two fights that I am scared to death by fight metrics on. Um, you know, I'm scared if, every fight. I'm scared well, every yeah, fight. But this is one in particular because if Marcos does not clinch, I could see fight metrics giving, you know, Nina 300 significant strikes in this fight um, <laughs> if she doesn't clinch. So let's, okay, let's look at some of the narratives. Marcos, 5-0 and fighting in Canada. Um, Marcos, pretty much her entire career, she has alternated between wins and losses. So this is a conflicting statistic because she actually won her last fight. So that would tell you that if you look at her stats, she's due for a loss. But that kind of runs counter to the fact that she's 5-0 and fighting in Canada. Um, I do think she will get the takedown. I do like takedowns. I do like the odds value. I don't necessarily. I don't see this fight as a GPP fight, um, unless you honestly do think that Marcos is going to trade with with Nina and Nina gets credit for a lot of significant strikes. I certainly don't see a finish in this fight. But um, my my lean and my pick is towards Marcos. I, I will say that the alternate wins and loss narrative is a little harder, Marcos, because she is both gotten the benefit of and been screwed by judges' scorecards. Correct. So you, it's, it's, a little, it's a little weird. Um, Chris, how do you have this one? Yeah, well, I'm going to disagree, but I don't think this – this doesn't rise to the to the level of yelling and screaming, but I am going to disagree. I think um, – oh, you know, I'm, I'm a Nina Antaroff fan. I, I thought she got robbed against Justine Kish, and then I, th I thought uh, she had two good fights against Liebarger and uh, then against Hill. I understand – that, you know, it's not the highest level competition, of course, but you know, she's a high volume output striker. She's got a good Brazilian jiu jitsu game. Um, hang, hang on, time, time. I have to stop you. Outside of the Hill fight, which Hill brings that out of, she's not really a high volume striker. 23 strike, significant strikes. She landed in 92 in the Kish fight, and 48 in three rounds against Jocelyn Jones Lieberger. Again, Kish yeah, well, she won that fight by submission. What more do you want from her? In the late third round, she's not a high volume striker. And we we it, already saw. Uh, she's not. Guys, she listen, stand, high volume. She will stand and no. She will stand, she will stand and trade with people who stand and trade with her. Kish does that. Hill does that. Marcos doesn't. Do you want to have a bet that Nina Ansaroff lands less than eighty significant strikes? Wait, think about it. Huh? Eighty. Less than eighty. Hmm. I'll, I'll think about than, that. I'll, I'll go less than 75. Wow. You should. I, that, that I might take. That I might take. 25 sure. around. And, and that's knowing that you're probably going to get screwed by fight metrics. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I, that's right. I have, I have fight metric on my side. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we will talk afterwards. What's going to happen is well, I'm not going to look at it. It's going to look like Antaroff fighting off her back the whole time, and she'll get 100 significant strikes. Or it'll go <laughs> the other way. Antaroff is piecing her up. And I think I lost, but Fight Metric will screw you and give her like 
160 strikes, 40 significant. It's just yeah. Look at all those shots from the bottom. Look at all. Look at all that work. No, yeah. but um, I uh, I think she's got a good stiff jab. Talking about Ansarov, she's got good powerful leg kicks. She throws in combination. Um, Randa Marcos likes to charge with strikes and and uh, connect and get takedowns. But Antaroff's been pretty good about keeping that distance. She uses that uh, front uh, deep front kick. She uses that side kick to keep distance. And her her takedown defense is pretty excellent. I think it's it's something like eighty percent. Um, so I um, think this is going to be a fight where uh, Antaroff is going to frustrate Marcos and pretty much is going to have it all her own way. And if she does get a takedown or two, I agree with Sean actually. But I don't think she's going to be able to hold her there. And even if she does get it, then we'll get to see what she has off her back. And and maybe uh, she surprises us. But I honestly don't think it gets that far. I think Ansaroff comes in here with a high-volume decision victory. Wow. You, but you started this off incorrectly by using the word stiff around Nina Ansaroff. Other oh, than boy. that... Other than that, I mean, I just don't know about that analysis. Um, we let we let Joe out of the cage here. I don't know what we're doing. We are we are really this is this is fun stuff. By the way, I'm catching up on on the chat. By the way, in, in YouTube, it's a good one. This just in: Pearson scores 300 points tomorrow. Yep, that's fight metric. Uh, we'll get to Kudalab. I don't know how he's a favorite. Uh, someone suggested if Joe's looking for a line of Von Von Flu choke, you probably have a gambling problem. <laughs> And then Nina wins by flying backflip off the top of the cage. <laughs> we are all over the place. Let's get those you. live viewers, guys. Come on, man. And somebody, we had a transmission problem. We're back. Thank you, David, for letting me know that we are yeah. back up and going. It's pretty fun in here. Make sure Friday, Friday, 8 o'clock, you are watching, listening. Click the like button. Hit subscribe. Let's go to the yeah, next Yeah, guys, fight. listen. The only, the only way we're all going to get on Sirius XM is if we get the viewership up on the show. So... And how how can you deny people in their car hearing about a stiff Nina Ansarov and or a reverse cowgirl choke? <laughs> reverse cowgirl choke, like everyone Come on, who would not like that? Uh, uh, you know what? We're, we're going to make our our push for serious XM at some point. I mean, look uh, at all that time that Rotowire blocks. I mean, come on, dude, reach out to Derek, reach out to one of those dudes over there. Let's get us on serious XM. Okay, next fight. Next up, a fun one. Mateus Nicolau, 9,000, taking on Dustin Ortiz at 7,200. Another fight where I know I sound like a broken record, but the line has closed. This one now is at minus 178 for Mateus Nicolau. The comeback in Dustin Ortiz is plus 167. Look, I know Nicolau has looked great recently. It's not against the best competition, but all the skills are there, whereas Dustin Ortiz is just a grinder. The one skill... I wish I'd seen more from Nicolau is his takedown defense. Is he going to be able to not get grinded out by Dustin Ortiz? I'm not so sure. I like the veteran here. Um, no, I don't think I can pick him straight up, but I think he's going to make it a closer fight than the DraftKings price. I think the line is about right. I think Ortiz, it's a 125-pound fight. You have to look at him in cash games as a punt. I think there's one I like a little more later, but Dustin Ortiz in play, Nicolau, with the line value to me, it becomes more of a GPP play. I'm picking him to win a relatively close fight eventually, um, get up from the takedowns, find a little bit of a space, use just – I think he'll be the more athletic guy, bigger power. Give me Nicolau in a closer-than-expected fight. Chris? Uh, yeah, uh, we're going we're gonna to disagree again here. I'm going to take Ortiz. I think um, – I agree with you. Nicolau's looked good lately, and um, 
I think he's got nice crisp boxing, and I like that about him. Uh, I think he hits hard for the division. I like that about him. But um, I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with the pace of Dustin Ortiz here. And I think Ortiz can go for as long as he wants. He can certainly go for 15 minutes. I think it's going to look like a pretty typical Dustin Ortiz fight. He's going to um, close the distance. He's going to uh, land strikes with his boxing. Uh, and he also hits pretty hard, by the way. We saw that in the uh, Alex Sandoval fight. Um, Hector Sandoval, that is. Um, we, I do think that um, if he gets uh, Nicolau against the cage, he's going to get his takedowns. And if he does, like you said, it's just going to be another grindy performance. And at 7,200, I'm not concerned at all about um, the score. I think, I think he plays well everywhere in GPP and cash. Um, and, I, and I like him to win the fight with um, his usual smattering of takedowns. So I'm going to take Ortiz here and feel pretty good about it. Joe, you on the grizzled veteran or the, the new young gun? Oh, man. You, you, guys all, you guys all have to forgive Chris Olsen. He lives in central New Jersey, and there's a lot of radon that seeps up <laughs> through the ground. Um, I, I love to hear I, your explanation about this one. Go ahead. I, I, Niccolo, is a, I see him as a top five contender. I love him Ooh. big here. Um, he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, a great submission grappler. If Ortiz goes to take him down, he is going to be sorry. I got Nicolau inside the distance. I even have a wager with somebody um, that uh, Nicolau scores more points per dollar in salary than Joanna does. Um, and I'm pretty confident I'm going to cash that. Um, I, I think Ortiz is a gatekeeper. He's a tough fighter. Um, he's, he's lost to some really inferior guys, in my opinion. Um, I think Nicolau has got the great coaching, um, you know, from Novo and Yao to uh, he jumped. Where did he go? He went some someplace to help tighten his game up. I really love uh, I love Nicolau. Um, any any weakness in line uh, should just mean people should go out there and buy more of them. I feel that way about a fighter. We're going to get to in a little bit. Now these next two fights, let's try and speed through them a little quick. One because they're interesting <laughs> fights. They're bad for DFS. Both of these next fights are just not good DFS fights. And as entertaining as the first, you know, 20 minutes of the show was, we are running a little long. Yes. Kaelin Chukagian, 8,700, taking on Alexis Davis at 7,500. The line is minus 145 on Chukagian. Davis at plus 135. Look, Chukagian's going to pull a Holly home to her yah, yah, yah bullshit and, and win a decision. Alexis Davis... Uh, these takedowns to win this fight. I suppose she could get them. I think Chukagian will be too fast for her. Davis fading somehow as the number three ranked flyweight in the world, which is friggin' hilarious. Um, I like Chukagian to get a decision that is low scoring for DraftKings. Joe? So this is the other fight that scares me to death by fight metrics. And oh, it's a good point. What I, would what I would suggest people do is do not count strikes, count grunts. So every time you hear a, uh, 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 count that as a significant strike because you know that fight metrics is going to give her a significant strike every time she grunts, regardless of whether she hits anybody or hits air. I might be um, 80% Chukagian just based on that. Yeah, I think at 8.7K, I don't see her as a great play for DraftKings. I think it, the finish prop is, is off the charts. However, if there is a finish in this fight, I do see Davis getting it and not Chukagian. You know, Davis has got the ground game, the jiu-jitsu game. Um, I could see her getting a few takedowns. Chukagian has showed decent takedown defense. Um, but in her last fight, uh, I believe Carmouche took her down. 
Um, I could certainly see Davis getting this to the ground, um, but I'm with you. I think this is a relatively bad fight to target for DraftKings unless you're going to play a little bit of the dog at 7.5K um, and she has this out, that outside chance for a submission victory, although it is really an outside chance. But I'd have to go with the odds value here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick Davis to win. It's not a strong pick, but I just, uh, you know, Chukagian grunts more than she hits. Um, I'm scared with fight metrics, but I will take Davis here. Chris, Chukagian, Davis. Uh, yeah, I'm going Alexis Davis and pretty comfortably again. I just think that, um, as you guys are, are alluding to with, with, with the grunting talk, um, you know, she has a lot of trouble finding her range. Uh, she doesn't really land all that much, although, again, as we'll see, we'll see what Fight Match has to say about it. But, um, and it's it's true that uh, she was taken down by Liz Carmouche, but don't forget, she was deep on two or three subs in that fight and, and almost, almost stopped it more than once. Um, she was getting lit up by Liz Carmouche on the feet because uh, Liz Carmouche knows how to counterpunch. I don't think Chukagian does. I think that when Alexis Davis charges forward with her strikes. She's just going to get backed up as we've seen her do before. And um, I really think Alexis Davis is going to control this fight. If she wants to take it to the ground, she can do that. Um, I think she can, she can overwhelm much uh, Kagan if she wants to do that. I don't think Alexis Davis is just going to stand in space and let Kagan have like a slow kickboxing match with her. I expect her to push the pace and I expect her to get the win. Sorry, there's a comment in the YouTube chat that if, if you were listening just about this point, you, you'll see a pop-up. Just go to the YouTube re replay chat. I, I literally can't bring it up, but it made me laugh pretty hard out loud. Um, right. <laughs> Who is it from? Just just go look. You, you'll, you'll see. John McDessie, 8,900, taking on Ross Pearson at 7,300 in a fight of two guys who have either hung it up or about to hang it up in the back, and it's just... Look, McDessie at 8,900, they're going to stand and trade. McDessie's the kickboxer. Pearson's the boxer. I always favor the kickboxer. 8,900's crazy for a guy who I think is just going to stand and trade. Um, and I don't see there being being a finish here. I think Pearson is still game. He's not good, but I don't think he'll get finished. So I will take neither of these guys, really. I'll take McDessie <laughs> for the pick. But at 8,900, at 8, I want no part of a guy who is retired and then come back. Pearson was on a four-fight losing streak, broke it in a win against Mizuto Hirota, where he scored 59 points. So give me McDessie for the win. I'm probably going to full fade this fight and just hope it goes to a decision. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I, we're on the same page here with, with everything, uh, quite frankly. I like McDessie as well. I think I like the way he mixes up the um, – the spinning techniques, spinning back kicks with the, the pressure boxing game. Um, I, I I like Ross Pearson. He's 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 more of a road striker. Uh, he'll work the body a little bit. I like that about him. He's a tough guy, like you said. So I don't think he's gonna get finished. Um, I see I see these guys, like you said, um, on the feet having a striking match, and I'm gonna favor the kickboxer as well. Don't have too much to add. Um, I'm not gonna be playing this fight too heavily. But I will take McDessie for the pick. Joe? McDessie. I mean, I think he's got a speed advantage over Ross Pearson. Um, look, I, I think, obviously, if you look at competition, um, Pearson has got some good wins over guys like Paul Felder. Uh, I just don't know that he's there at this stage of his career. And I see this as perhaps a good 
fight for him to leave his gloves in the octagon. Um, I think Modesi could, in theory, get the knockout. I like the camp change. Um, you know, he is a Canadian light in that he's trained. He trains out of the country and lives out of the country. But you know, if there's a close decision, you know, you generally expect in Canada, you know, to lean towards the Canadians. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to a decision, even a split. But I, I also have an, a sneaking suspicion that maybe, um, you know, Medesi can rock him with with a kicker and, and and put him away. It's very possible. Next up, a fight that I I am going to try not to rant too hard on. Gaza uh, Mohamed Marad. I can't say his first name. Gaza Marad. Whatever. Sorry. Antigalov. I'm so thrown off by this line. He's at 8,600. Elon Kutalaba is at 7,600. Antigalov was a minus 150 favorite. It's now plus 100. Uh, I bet him a minus 150 and I felt good about it. And I... Okay. Um, sure. So now there's no line value whatsoever on Antigalov making... If you are a statistical player, and hard to play in cash, and Iwan Kutalaba becomes line value cash play. I disagree with it personally. I see Iwan Kutalaba is live to a knockout. He's going to pressure hard and try and get the early finish. I think, though, that plays into Antigalov, who in the first 30 seconds of all of his fights, he's going to look for a takedown. I think he catches Iwan coming in for a takedown, takes him down, ground and pound, you know, maybe he doesn't get a quick finish because uh, Kutalaba is the best fighter he's faced, uh, clearly. I just don't think Eon can stop these takedowns. Uh, Kutalaba also coming off of a USADA suspension. Look, I, I don't get the line movement in this fight. I, I wish I hadn't bet so soon. It's a matter of how much do I trust my read? Am I going to go against the line value, which has bit people before? I'm going to still play Antigua off, but I can see people jumping off just numbers-wise. He's not a great play anymore. So um, it's how much do you trust Ian Kutilaba or Antikolov? Joe, you have any further insight to this one? Can, can you yeah, tell me I mean, understand this line? Look, I, I I had referenced in our in you know our, our Slack that I liked uh, Kutilaba earlier in the week. Um, I understand the the I understand the line movement a bit um, based on competition. Um, you know. There is also a, a distinct Khabib connection here where, uh, you know, if you, I don't know if you guys realize this, but this guy is, it's not like, you know, the other Maganamedov where, you know, Khabib called him cousin out of respect. This guy like literally cooks Khabib's meals and is trained by his dad. Um, so, you know, Antti is, there's definitely, he's definitely got that skill set. Um, Kudalab is powerful, man. I've been a fan of this guy. I mean, he fought Serkinov. He was 21 years old, right? He's only 23. Um, or 24. I mean, he is a, a really solid, hard-hitting fighter, powerful wrestling. Um, I agree. Uh, this is another good fight to target because this fight has definitely got a very high inside of the distance prop. So I would definitely have shares of both sides. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and pick Anthony to win. I, I do understand some of the line movement, um, but I, this is definitely a fight to target, and I would definitely recommend having both sides. Chris, who you got? Yeah, um, I share your concerns, uh, Sean, that he won't be able to stop the takedowns. And if he doesn't, I mean, we, we saw in the, in the Shurkinov fight, Shurkinov gets one takedown in the third round, jumps, gets the arm angle locked up and jumps right over. No resistance whatsoever and just gets the tap. Now, that was a couple of years ago. Maybe things are different, blah, blah, blah. But we can only go by what we see. 
you know, so um, I don't know. I, it kind of worries me for a guy at this level against a hard puncher like Kutalaba that he's just going to put his head down and try to barrel in. Um, I think if he gets caught doing that, he's going to go to sleep, and I think he can get caught. Another thing to note about Kutalaba is, um, although he's known as a striker and he is a powerful striker, he's also a Greco-Roman wrestler. Uh, we saw a lot of that in his uh, in his um, uh, Jared Cannonier fight, and I wonder if he will try to put the top control grappler on his back and see what he can do from there. That'll be that'll be interesting if he does try go that route. Um, but yeah, the, the takedown threat does scare me. I'm, I'm going to have to have exposure to both sides of this fight because I think it's going to finish and I think it's going to, it's going to yield a lot of points, but I don't know it does. It, his lack of takedown defense scares me. So I think I'll have a little bit more anti Gulov, but, uh, don't discount Kutalab out there for a big knockout. Um, and remember, Kudalaba is coming back off the juice. <laughs> People, yeah, saying, that's right. They, they they trust him now because in our in our chat because the drug test won't be till after the fight, which is which is interesting. I, I still think Kudalaba gets smalled here, but if the fight plays out of range for any distance, any length of time, he has the advantage. I have to concede that it's not a lock pick, but I like the odds. I like him more now. Um, moving on though to. Another relentless wrestler, Islam Makachev, 9,600, taking on the UFC's whipping boy, Cajun Johnson, 6,600. They want this guy out of here. They want to Leslie Smith him. Make no mistake about it. He's on a four-fight winning streak, and if he loses, he's getting cut. I, I guarantee you he's getting cut if he loses. Um, not a very exciting fighter. I don't think he's going to be able to stop the relentless takedowns of Makachev. Uh, showed a little bit of power last time out, but Makachev is just too big for this division. I think he steamrolls Cajun. He's a minus 600 favorite. I wouldn't overanalyze this one. I'm going to play as much Makachev as I can handle. Chris? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting because uh, Cajun Johnson is going to have to find a new style of fight. His past two fights, he's been um, pressing himself up against the octagon uh, fence, looking to counterpunch and circling out, and that's just not going to work here. He's going to get grabbed and put on his butt. He was... That happened with him in the Stevie Ray fight, and Stevie Ray is no Islam Magachev. So I actually like KJ Johnson a little bit. I think he's athletic. I think when he does decide to come forward, which isn't that often, he's he's a good creative striker. I think he's got good straight punches, and as you said, Sean, a little bit of power. But um, yeah, I, I just I just can't get past the style matchup now that I know that Cajun Johnson wants to um, stick himself against the fence, which is doing about 70% of uh, Islam Makachev's work for him. So I'm going to – I'm with you. I'm take, I'm having a lot of Makachev here, and um, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. Although 6,600 is the cheapest guy we've seen on this slate for a long time. So if you are bold and no. you want no. – just play I, Tisha I have to Torres, say it. Then. I'm just say it. Torres. I'm going to say it. If you are bold and you think – Look, when Cajun Johnson wins, that's basically what he scores, 66-67. So if you think he can somehow take a slow decision here in a GPP, go for it. Otherwise, take your Islam Magachev. By the way, in his four fights, his four wins, he, he, he has not cracked 70 points, and two of them he won 66 points. He's only gotten that twice. So who the hell knows? Joe, how do you have this one? So I have to apologize to the millions of our, our live listeners here that – 
Um, I actually got my Russians mixed up. It's it's Islam Makalev that has the Khabib connection. Um, cooks Khabib's food. Khabib's father trains him, not empty. So I, I mixed that up. Apologies. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing here is how much the UFC actually hates Cajun Johnson. Um, for those that for those that don't know, he spoke up at the at the UFC uh, fighters conference, um, and they continually have fed him to guys that they hoped would beat him so that they could cut him. First to Martins, um, guess what? That that didn't go well. Then to Stevie Ray, that didn't go well. So they progressively are giving him tougher guys to fight. And now I think is it? I think uh, Cajun Johnson can take the L here um, from from Maklachev. Um, one word of warning, though, um, Maklachev is not a lock in GPPs. Again, this is not a fight that is 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 thought to be finishing inside the distance. So at 9.6K, um, you know, he is much better of a cash play than he is a GPP play here. I'm not saying don't play him in GPPs, but just realize if this goes the if this goes the decision to decision, you may not get the 12x that you need or that I think you need uh, to win a GPP. So I like him a lot more in cash than I do in GPPs. I, I agree with that. Uh, moving on, Hakeem Dawadu, 9,400, taking on Austin Golden Boy Arnett at 6,800. Dawadu, one of the biggest favorites on the card. He is currently sitting at minus 375. The comeback on Arnett is plus 335. Uh, Dawoodoo made his UFC debut last time out, got caught in a submission by Danny Henry, who turns turns out to be better than we all think. Um, Arnett had a great fight on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series against Brandon Davis. That was you know, similar to Ansaroff looking great because of who she fought. I apply that to Austin Arnett against Brandon Davis, Stan and Trade. We saw the, the real Austin Arnett against uh, Corey Sandhagen. Sits back, karate guy, can mix it up a little overall, though I just think Dawoodoo is the more explosive athlete, better striker, should be way, way too fast, good hand speed. I like Dawoodoo a bunch at 9,400. The problem is he needs, like Makachev, he needs to finish to really pay off. So I like him. I like Makachev more for the grappling, but Dawoodoo is another guy I'm going to be mixing in in GPPs. Uh, Joe? Uh, this is a setup fight for for Dawoodoo. I mean, he's Canadian. He trains out of Calgary. Um, he lost his last fight. Uh, this is a fight that the UFC wants him to win. I think he's got speed advantage here. Um, I do think he'll get the finish. Um, if anything, Austin is going to engage. I don't see him retreating um, or trying to keep away. I see this as a relatively early finish. This is a guy I do like in both cash and GPPs um, because I do think that this is this is one of those fights that is likely to go to finish. So um, I'm all I'm all Dawadu. Chris, what do you got? Um, yeah, Arnett has a good jab. I guess that's about it. <laughs> I um, I I think that this is a really good style matchup for Dawadu. Dawadu really likes um working the body and particularly going the body head combinations. We saw uh, Corey Sanhagen light Arnett on fire to the body, so I I really like the style matchup from that perspective. Um, the one thing I would say about Dawadu is um. I don't think it was an accident that Danny Henry caught him with that right hand. If you watch his um, PFL fight, he's open. He's open for that right hand. And in 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 the Siler fight, it was it was landing over and over and over again. Um, Danny Henry caught him once, and that happened to be it. So keep that in mind. But ultimately, I just think that Duado is going to be too fast. 
I think Arnett's too hittable and Dewadu's too powerful, and I think that spells an early finish. Next up, Alex Morono, 8,100, taking on Jordan Mean, also at 8,100. Look, this is this is a really interesting fight, and just based on some of the options we have, both in the high and the low end, I'm probably not going to end up going there in cash, um, especially because Morono, I think the guy packs, packs power. He does get wild, not very technical. I think he's live to a finish because he hits hard. We saw him knocking out or hurting and submitting Josh Berkman is nothing, but he hurt Nico Price, um, which which is a little something. I I like Nico Price as a prospect. Jordan Mean, though, should be the more technical striker, uh, more fluid. If anyone's going to get the fight to the ground, it's Jordan Mean. Uh, I I think this is a pick for a reason. I think this is a really good matchmaking. I lean towards the guy who hits a little harder, and Jordan Mean is fight old. He is really fight old. He's 42 professional fights. I'll take Morono, but again, just based on my other options, I'm not sure how much exposure to this fight I'm going to have. Chris? Yeah. You know, you know, I was thinking when I was watching some Jordan mean tape, he really reminds me just as sort of like a fighter mold of, at least to me of Corey Anderson in that I always think whenever he has a good performance, I think, Oh boy, there it is. He's turning the corner and God help me. I thought it again with the Eric silver performance. Uh, he looked so good in that fight. He was mixing up everything. He was landing combinations from different angles. He was getting takedowns, double leg takedowns, uh, trip takedowns, using his kicks to the body. I mean, it was just a, a virtuoso performance, and I loved it. And um, Alex Alex Morono, look, he's definitely powerful. Um, he definitely, I mean, he can throw in combination. He's, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, although he doesn't really bring the fight to the floor, so he doesn't use that so often. But um, you know, he just he's just the kind of fighter who will who will pressure you and try to draw out the counter. And I'm not sure that's the best strategy with a guy like Mean, who I think is a deeper is a deeper striker, a deeper MMA game overall in, in general, I would say. Um so yeah, I think I like Mean here. I know that it's 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 sort of risky to pick Mean because there is a narrative around him. Sorry to, to maybe steal your thunder, Joe, but there is a narrative around him that I think could be true where if you try to pressure him, he, he sort of quits, which could be true. But we saw him um, we saw him be aggressive in his last fight, come forward, take the, the center from Eric Silva, who is usually the guy who comes forward. I, I expect him to do that here. I hope he does do that here. And I think if he does, he's going to put on a performance and possibly get a finish. All right, let's head over to Captain Narrative, Joe. Well, so, yeah, the, the big narrative here is that, you know, one, Mean has actually retired before. Um, two is he's actually one of those guys that's been groomed, essentially, from birth to be a fighter. His dad still fights. His dad is in his 50s and still fights. So, you know, this is one of those guys that, you know, like you said, he's very shop-worn. He's like uh, 102 in fight years. Um, you know, I don't have a strong sense of who's going to win this fight. You referenced uh, Morono, uh, you know, hurting Price. Um, taken into account the fact that Mean retired, and is he fighting on this card because it's a Canada card? Um, I'm going to give my lean to to Morano. Um, it's not a strong lean. I think you should have some of this fight in, in GPPs. I think it's on the cusp of whether it goes to decision or not. Um, so you should probably have some of this fight, but I I would not I'd run from this in cash. 
and I would, you know, have a fairly equal a weighted amount of each guy. All right, we're on to the main card. Before I do that, I want to do one more reminder. Everyone go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial, no credit card required for all their all their usually paid content. Check all that out. Give all of us a follow on Twitter. We do appreciate it. At the DFS Sniper with one S, at Real Chris Olson, at Sun Tzu. That's enough of my voice saying that. Let's get to the main card. Main card first up, Olivier Aubameyang-Mercier, 8,300, taking on Alex Hernandez, 7,900. The line on this fight also has closed. Um, and it was already tight to begin with. Aubon Mercier now a minus 110 favorite. Alexander Hernandez plus 100. So the line moving Hernandez's way. Joe, you know how I feel about OAM. You were there with me in Brooklyn when he knocked out Evan Dunham. If this gets to plus money, I might pull the trigger here. Um, look, Hernandez shocked the world, knocked out Benil Dariush. That's how he fights, though. If you go back, watch the tape. He's very, he's very hyper aggressive. Not quite the same to the same level as Iwan Kutalaba, but that's who on this card he he reminds me of. Abba Mercier has looked good. He's got good good grappling. Um, just solid veteran, learning along the way. I believe he's on a four fight winning streak. The last time he lost was to um, Cesar Mutanchi Fajera. Has subs. Has a knockout now. Oh, they haven't done him. I think Hernandez is live, similar to the Kutalaba fight. He needs to get that quick knockout. I think if this fight goes any length of time, Mercier can wear him down, use his grappling, and get a decision. That's ultimately what I think happens here. Um, but Hernandez is very dangerous earlier, early in the fight. I need to see him prove it to me one more time before I can invest any kind of serious money in him. So I'm taking um, my boy Olivier Alba Mercier, who hoping can make me some money again, especially if it's, his, if it's plus money, I will make, a small bet. Joe, what do you have? Look, I'm pretty much with you here. I'm not ready to hand this guy the belt yet. I mean, you know, it was kind of douche not touching gloves. Um, and you know, then he knocks out a really chinny Benny. We know Benny has, has had some chin issues. Um, impressive. Yes. Talks a really good game. Um, as some people have mentioned, I'm not sure I understand the line flip. Um, you know, I, I do think that you should have some shares of him in mass entry GPPs. Um, this is a fight that is uh, that is not thought to go the distance. Um, OAM has got a much larger body of work. It looks like he's kind of taking things serious. Um, I am going with the Canadian gangsta. Which, by the way, is, is, is awesome. And, and Tom Green, who I'm hoping is the famous Tom Green in Chad, says OAM also has the power of the stash, which I'm totally behind. Chris, what do you got? Well, as, as much as I do agree that those pictures were amazing, I am going of to go... Of course you like the underdog. Of course you do. Well, well, I mean, it's so out of character. I've been picking all chalk all day. I mean, what do you want me to do? You but, picked uh, Alexis Davis, you psychopath. But, uh, <laughs> it's not chalk. <laughs> you want to hear my well-reasoned logical explanation or not? Yeah. Here we go. I mean, go ahead. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Hernandez here. I, uh, for parts of the reasons that you mentioned, Sean, I think that he can just overwhelm OAM. OAM um, concedes space in the cage all the time. Um, he ba he gets backed up. He's not. He's okay. He's a better striker than I think people let on. He's good at at, at timing um, those those left hand shot counters. Uh, he got a couple of those in the Drew Dober fight. But that's the other thing I wanted to mention is he gets cracked all the time. He got put on his butt in that Drew Dober fight. 
He got hit hard by Evan Den Evan Dunham once uh, for as long as that fight lasted, um, which wasn't very long. But I just think that um, he's going to play right into Hernandez's hands here. He's going to concede space in the octagon. He's going to allow um, Hernandez to get off all of his crazy strict uh, kicks and high amplitude strikes. And I think it's going to pay dividend. I think he's going to be overwhelmed, quite frankly. I, I don't I don't think he, this is a good style matchup for him. I think a lot of his takedowns are very much against the cage trip takedown. So I don't think he's going to be timing reactive doubles or anything like that. Um, I think Alex Hernandez, I guess, since you guys don't believe in him, I'll say shocks the world again, even though I have all my faith there. So, yeah, I'm going Hernandez and, again, feeling pretty good about it. By the way, he can't be your hot take unless you say he's going to win by decision. Because I do concede he's he's live to the knockout early. Moving I'll come up on, Joanna Yanjajic, ninety two hundred, taking on Tisha Torres at seven thousand. Um, you know what? I actually, this is a, one of the fights I haven't looked at the line recently. Um, I think it's holding about steady. Joanna, former champion, minus two eighty. Uh, Tisha Torres at plus two fifty five. I know. Joanna opened up as a big favorite. It quickly closed, and it's been hovering, I think, in this price range for a while. I think people have a hard time picturing Joanna losing three in a row. It's possible here, guys. Look, she's it's a 115-pound women's fight. She's most likely not going to get a finish. Uh, Torres, I think, will be a faster fighter in terms of foot speed, whereas Joanna has a hand speed advantage and is the better the better striker of the world-class kickboxing i'm also i, I need to go rewatch um weigh-in video i actually didn't see joanna on the scale i know she made weight but she's had um recent issues cutting to 115 overall i think this is a close fight i think uh tisha's gonna frustrate joanna on the feet a little bit before joanna eventually gets her timing i think this is going to be a 29 28 across the board or a split decision I'm going to go with Joanna because she is the better striker on DraftKings, though. Tisha, you know, she's, she she took down Jessica Andrade twice. I know Joanna has great takedown defense, but it's not ridiculous to think that Tisha can get a couple, couple of takedowns. I like Tisha Torres a lot as a cash punt. Um, if you're looking to just punt a spot away, I think this goes three rounds, and she's live to the win here, whereas um, Ortiz, who I mentioned earlier, is more likely of the two to get knocked out because Nicolau does have power. So I'm picking Joanna, but I'm more interested price per dollar in um, Tisha Torres. Chris, are you going to pick the favorite? Or are you going to stay consistent? Or are we going to finally agree? Well, I was going to say I'm glad you finally came over to the dog side. It's nice and cozy over here, isn't it? But, uh, no, I, I pretty much agree with your take on the fight down the line. I think this is a very close fight. Um, Tisha Torres impressed me in that fight against Andrade. Her ability to stick to a game plan um, – Andrade just keeps such such a ridiculous pace. She couldn't stay with it the whole time, but she was really um, hitting those hitting those counter hooks all, all throughout the first round. And Andrade is a machine, so it didn't do anything to her, and she just walked through them. But um, I I like Tisha Torres as a striker. I think um, she can do that. She's good in she's good in the clinch too. Um, we might have to you know think about what that means against Joanna in the clinch, but. She has shown proclivity in the clinch. I agree with what you said about the takedowns. I also think she's a good combination puncher coming forward. She's obviously very strong. Um, and I don't always um, say this in my fight analysis, but, you know, you do have to wonder where Yo Johanna's mindset is. I mean, she's got 
by her account, she's got people like pulling her into dark alleys, telling her, don't tell anybody, but you actually won the, the Rose fight. I mean, it's, and it's very, it's very strange. Like she didn't take strawweight champion down from her Twitter bio. Just all these things that are like, I, I don't know. Are you really, are you okay? Or are you on the verge of a psychotic break here on the verge of, uh, because of that loss? I don't really know. I don't think you can straight pick a fight because of that, but you know, if you think her head's a little out of it, maybe that's another reason to go Torres. Ultimately, though, I think, you know, Joanna showed some good things in, I think, I believe it was rounds three and four of that second Rose fight, using those using those leg kicks to disrupt a lot, to get her game going. And when she does, uh, we know that she's a good volume combination puncher. She's got a nice stiff jab. But I would I would really caution against picking her here because I just don't think that she, she does enough to win – you know, a three-round fight at 9,200. So um, I, if I'm going to go anywhere here, I'm probably going to go with the dog. Uh, the official pick, I guess I'll go I'll go Ioana just to mix things up, and I hate to agree with Sean, so we won't do that. Um, but, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that uh, it's either dog or pass for me. Looking into chat, there's some actually some some decent discussion going on. Uh, first, Aisha Cross says, Sun Tzu, please get Alex on this pod. So work on that. Uh, can can Torres? And I'm guessing that means Alex, Alexander Hernandez, but who knows? Maybe another Alex who wants to join us. If he's funny and picks all underdogs like uh, Chris, we will consider it. Uh, T- Tom Green asks if Torres can get in on the reach, or is she going to get jabbed all night? I think she'll eat some jabs in her way in to the clinch uh, and to close the distance because she's so she's so damn fast. Uh, and Aisha Cross also says JJ has too much volume for Torres. That's why I think ultimately she wins a decision. Joe, how do you have this one? And any response to those comments? Well, it's it's hard for me to to do the analysis for this fight and not not give my hot take at the same time, um, which I know we generally wait to the end to give. However, um, I the way I look at this fight is um, first of all, I, I think JJ is going to win, right? Um, however, look at Tisha Tor- Tisha Torres has got a win against Rosnami Yunus. And I would argue that she could have very easily gotten the decision in the second fight against Nami Yunus. I actually had Nami Yunus in that fight, and I was sweating balls on that decision because I honestly, as uh, watching that fight, thought that Tisha won it because Rose refused to take that fight to the ground where I thought her strength was. So you have a fighter here who could be 2-0 against Rose Nami Yunus, the champion, who's beaten Joanna twice, okay? Um Impressive fight against Andraj. I mean, Andraj is a beast. Um, you know, did get a couple of takedowns. Scored actually quite well. Um, my, I, my hot take is that I think Joanna wins the fight but doesn't score more than 71 points. Um, and at, at 9.2K, I do not see her as viable for cash or GPPs. I will be extremely underweight to the field in my mass entries, and I will run and hide from JJ and cash. But I do like Tisha and Cash. I think she's got a really solid floor. All right. We're on to the co-main event. Jose Aldo, 8,200, taking on Jeremy Stevens at 8,000. This line continues to close as well. Have you noticed the trend here? Actually, has this line flipped? It has flipped. It's flipped, Jeremy, baby. Jeremy Stevens is now the favorite at minus, 120, at minus 120. Aldo at plus 110. Look, it comes down to how is Jose Aldo shot? Is he reliving Hen and Brow? You know, two losses and then and then just and, and 
is broken. The, the new Nova Uniao guys are on a fall. Aldo might not be resigning. His time in MMA looks like it could be done or before he goes over to, to Ryzen, but that's a story for a different podcast. Jeremy Stevens has looked better than he's ever looked. He's been in the UFC 12 years, hard to believe. Look, until I see Jose Aldo totally fall off, he's lost to Max Holloway um, twice and then knock out to Conor McGregor. I can't go all in on Stevens because we really haven't seen Aldo fall off. He looked good for two, for two rounds, and he played into Holloway's game plan and fell off. Um, and then Holloway finished him in the third. This is a three-round fight. Stevens is, has all the confidence in the world, but he could finish Aldo in that he can he counterpunched really well and obviously hits hard. Big knockouts of Duho Choi and Josh Emmett. Again, it's one where I think it's line right. I think both guys have sneaky, sneakily low floors. I'm not sold on the floor of this fight um, at all. I think both guys actually have better ceilings. I think Aldo, if he wins, will volume get a high-volume decision. And if Stevens wins, it's a knockout. In terms of the pick, skill for skill, I still think Jose Aldo wins. It's interesting he's plus money. I can't bet it. can't be heavily invested because of all the narratives. So, Joe, any additional narratives that I missed for this really good co-main event? Yeah, I think this is – I think you said it pretty aptly. This is all about the narrative because skill for skill, Aldo should dominate this fight. I mean, it's narrative and recency bias, right? So if you look at Stevens, now, he – that Josh Emmett win, I mean, there were some suspect legal strikes in that fight. No, no, there were some illegal strikes. Okay, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. So let's not, not – Not intentional, though. Let's, let's be clear. That was not intentional, but – Let's not put too much in – I mean, this is a guy that was dominated by, by Moicano, who is a good fighter and who I'm looking forward to, to seeing fight again. Um, skill for skill, Aldo should, well, which Aldo, you know, the retirement talk, that's all going into the narrative that's flipping the line because skill for skill, this fight should not even be close, but are we going to get the, the, you know, the Aldo that dominated Frankie Edgar? Um, or are we going to get, you know, the Aldo who kind of like gassed out against Max Holloway? Um, you know, and, and Max Holloway maybe took his soul in the second fight. I mean, you know, he, he has, if he wants to use it, he should have a huge ground advantage. Um, you know, over over Stevens. So you know, which, light kick for the love of God. Yeah, like kick. which which Aldo is going to show up here? I mean, I really wish that he. I, I knew this would never happen because he's got so many roots. But if he just dumped, ditched Novo Unyao and came to the U.S. and trained in the U.S., you know, at a different camp for this fight, maybe that would have given him what he needed. Um, I agree. I I don't like the floor on either one of these guys. I think the ceiling is a finish. Um, I think you should probably mix your exposure, but I'm with you, Chris. I'm going to give a lean towards Aldo unless something else comes out between now and fight time. <coughs> I'm going to pick Aldo. Well, I, I'm Sean. Sean. That's Chris. And because you said that, I assume that Chris is all in on, on Jeremy Stevens. Probably. Chris? No, no. Even though I'm not that crazy. Look, um... Uh, I also am going to ask the question, uh, which Aldo is showing up? But I, I'm going to I'm going to say, is it the Aldo who tries to conserve himself or the one who sprints? Now, considering this is a three round fight, I hope he goes back to sprinting. I thought he should have even sprinted in the last Holloway fight and seen what's ha what happens. I think you take away a lot of the edge of Jose Aldo if he's just sitting back and and not pressuring and not trying to push a pace. 
I think I think a lot of his magic goes away. So I'm glad this is a three round fight where he can push the pace again. Um, you know, his hands are as fast as ever. We saw that in both Holloway fights. He throws in combination. We we're all waiting for for um, those leg kicks to return. But you know, a lot of that is is on the opponent too. You know, Max Holloway. You know, he crowds that space. You know, um, like Kevin Lee did. Like a hundred uh, guys who faced great kickers before them. You know, you crowd them and they can't get them off. Now, uh, Jeremy Stevens will take the center of the octagon, but he doesn't really um, force the pressure as much as a guy like Max Holloway can. So I'm expecting the light kicks to return somewhat. And also, if they do, it's going to be great because as much as as we saw Jeremy Stevens use those light kicks to great effect against uh, Gilbert Melendez, he doesn't check them at all. So if he wants to go kick for kick with Aldo, I welcome it. I think Aldo is going to win that battle. But uh, look, Jeremy Stevens is, you know, he's no joke. If, as he as he famously said to Conor McGregor, if uh, when I hit, when I knock guys, when I stop guys, they don't move. Or I think I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. Um, I really like that swing out wide left hook that he knocked out Josh Emmett with. I think it, it was a really smart strike because he, he got himself off the center line to throw it. And Emmett wasn't expecting it to come at that angle and, and it just crushed him. So, um, uh, uh, Stevens is forever dangerous, and there are question marks surrounding Aldo. So I do think you should have exposure to both, as I think we all agree. But as for the pick, um, and maybe this is kind of my hard talking, although I do think it's skill for skill as well, um, I'm going to go with Aldo. All right, moving on to our main event, a fun one. Dustin Poirier, 8,800, taking on Eddie Alvarez at 7,400. Eddie Alvarez is the dog in this fight, plus 150, Dustin Poirier is a minus 160 favorite. Look, I just think, I, I said in another, on another podcast, you saw a quote from Eddie Alvarez saying, the way to win this fight is through suffering. No one's willing, willing to suffer more than him. And I get it. That's admirable. When you're going to a fight willing to accept damage, that's, it's just a bad optic for me. Uh, Poirier, Faster hand speed than Alvarez we saw in the last fight. I think the left hand is really going to be an issue here. Alvarez does have a path to victory through some wrestling if he were to use it, but I think they're going to stand and trade. And Poirier has good enough movement um, to be able to avoid that. I think it's a close fight. I am going to stack in cash. I actually suspect they might. Everyone's thinking they're going to come and swing wildly like like the round two that was you know candidate for round of the year. I think it's going to be a little, a little bit more measured. Both still have fine, fine ceilings. Um, I prefer Poirier. I think he's more likely to get a finish. I love the way he's been looking, constantly improving. And as I touched on quickly, I do think the hand speed is really, really going to be an issue here. So give me Dustin Poirier. I think I'll have plenty of this fight um, in GPPs as well. Chris? Yeah, I, I think Dustin Poirier is is just is just a better technical fighter here. I, we we saw it we saw it in the first fight that was giving Alvarez so much trouble. Uh, he works the jab, he circles out, um, he's he you know slips to the side, moves his head, comes back with the counter. I just think that um, you know if he's gonna outfight a guy like uh, like Alvarez who's just looking for the brawl, I think he's gonna frustrate Alvarez, and I think he's gonna get pretty much whatever he wants now. The interesting thing here is we know that Dustin Poirier really hurt his leg up very badly in that uh, uh, Justin Gaethje fight. 
So it'll be interesting to see if Eddie Alvarez tries to go there. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't throw leg kicks as a matter of practice, where you know it's a consistent part of his game. But he certainly could if he felt like that was something that would pay dividends, and it would in this fight um, if he chooses to go that way. I think what happened in the in the first fight was you know um, Poirier was sticking to the game plan very well. And then when Alvarez got hurt, he got the fight he wanted, which was two guys in the pocket swinging. And Alvarez has been in that situation a hundred times. He knows exactly what to do. And he caught him. I think if Poirier stays smart, he wins this fight. And he might um, look pretty good doing it. But if he ends up wanting to trade with Alvarez or letting his ego get the best of them or rushing in too too hard for a finish, I think he could uh, be surprised by Alvarez here. But the pick... um, is Poirier and a potential stoppage here as well. Joe, break down our main event. So picking up on the theme of looking good doing it, I am going to select the the fighter with salon quality hair. Um, That's Dustin Poirier. Um, My concern, and Chris kind of touched on it, is, you know, the book is out on him. I mean, Jim Miller hurt him badly uh, with light kicks. Um, uh, Gaethje hurt him badly with light kicks. I mean, he literally had to be helped out of the, the octagon. He could barely walk. Is this too short a turnaround for him? Um, on the other side, you know, Alvarez just keeps taking damage, taking damage. Um, you know, he was taking damage against Gaethje and he, he turned that fight around. He was taking damage against Poirier and, and he, he hit him with the illegal strikes. Um, I, I do like Dustin, however, um, because the underground king never seems to be out of it. I would certainly advise having a few shares of him in, you know, mass entry GPPs, um, you know, for, for his price. Uh, I think his, his ceiling is higher than his floor, but um, I do think you should have a few shares of him, but I am picking uh, Dustin Diamond here. All right, moving on to everyone's favorite part of the show, hot takes. Uh, Joe, just you kind of gave yours away earlier. But, but go ahead and just to reiterate what you're doing for Hot Take this uh, week. Joanna does not score more than 71 points in, in a decision victory. That is, that's pretty hot. Chris, what do you got? Do you even have to ask? Nina Ansaroff is there. so many. Nina Ansaroff breaks the 12X barrier in victory. So have your Nina Ansaroffs ready, kids. Jesus, that is, that is smoking hot. I will... I will concede that one. Um, <laughs> you know what? I want to go directly against me. It's I want to I want to pick an aggressively high number here. Random Marcos hits. Let's say do do some quick quick math. Random Marcos thirteen x. Wow. What? Ooh. Ooh, you know, I nice. love that we're head to head competing. That this is going to be my fate, my fight of the night. Now I'm going to disappointment viewing for everybody. Yeah, I, I, my my other hot take, Sean, is that I fear that next week, um, that uh, you know, Chris may be homeless because of his house under a tent for radon. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I am worried, Chris. I, I have an extra room here, so we could kind of, you know, you could do the pod up up at my house. Um, you know, I'm just worried about that radon kind of creeping into your psyche there. It looks, it looks pretty nice over there. I might take you up on that. Yeah. You know, what, what I got, what we got have to, we're going to go back to this in a second because I can't end on this, but I want to bring it up in chat. Dave LB says his hot take is Arnett by finish. 
Joe, you want to explode explode there? Well, Dave, is he serious? Is he being serious? I have no idea. Uh, And and who is this guy? Dave LB. Dave LB. You can find him on chat. Dave, make sure you uh, find us all on Twitter and and restart this. Yeah, and let you know, DM me and I'll send you a map to local methadone clinics. Um, I I applaud the boldness. I applaud boldness. Come on. We're all all in the tri-state area. We we need to uh, try and get a live podcast or at least a live, like, fight companion viewing party. You know, Joe is... Shit, guys, come up. Come up and watch the fights on my my 92-inch TV. I mean, come up. One of these days, I will absolutely take you up. You know, one of these days soon, I, 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 I will take you up on this. I will, I will buy beer for you. I'm not a beer drinker, but I will, I will have some beer here. All right, now I'm in. Now, okay. now we're good. Tell me what kind of beer you want. You are a cheap day. You know what? We will figure this out. I don't know if I can do it this week, but maybe for uh, 227. We'll talk. Yeah, 227, because then we have a two-week break after that. So 227 could work, right? Quick, if we, you guys can come we, up we for 227, that would be great. We have a three-week break. Three-week break. Okay, so that, I think so, that'll be perfect, man. You know, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see each other, and then we won't have to talk for again for another three weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> come on, Dave LB is dead serious. He says Dawadu's chin is bad, and his takedown defense is also. Whew. Okay, I mean, you, I want to see you should. He, this guy should have the nuts in DraftKings then, because that is a hot take. Look, please, I, please send us all. Head-to-head request. I know Joe is Sun Tzu. I know I'm Cactus Jack too. Uh, Chris, what's your G- your your DK name? Uh, oh. Somerset. S O M M E R S E T. Dave is continuing to talk. I, I know we're going all along, guys, but you should definitely join join this chat. It's going off. He says you're all going to PayPal me a hundred bucks if our net wins or what. You know, talk talk to us on Twitter. Legitimately follow, follow us on Twitter. I'm not plugging for for follows guy. I want to make sure that Dave has this. At Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-S-Z-U. I'm at the DFS Snipe with one S. Chris is at Real Chris Olson. Let's continue. We will continue this on Twitter. Guys, this was fun. We have 227 coming up, then a three-week break. Everybody, good luck in your contest. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Great. We will get – We. I'm sorry. We will go in one second. I just wanted to say one thing before we leave. Sorry to upend this. But um, if you guys are RotoWire subscribers or thinking about – being a RotoWire subscriber, I just want you to know that we have redesigned our website, and with that redesigning has come our DFS tennis um, analysis. We don't have any day-for-day um, articles up yet, but we do have how to play tennis on DraftKings, uh, written by yours truly. I have another one up for a site called Play On, which is a UK, Ireland, Australia site, and um, you know I've been playing DraftKings tennis pretty much every day getting some pretty good results if I don't, if I do say so myself and uh, it's a lot of fun. So if you're, if you're interested in that, interested in doing the new DK tennis thing or play on, if you're outside the United States, come by and uh, check out my intro article and I'm sure um, daily articles will be coming soon. So. And I will chime in on that site redesign. I did notice that it looks really, really cool. The site redesign. We're we're making moves, man. We're making moves. There we go. Yep. All right, take care, guys. Peace out. Bye-bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.